A quick note before we get into this episode, this is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and it is not medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. All right, before we get into the content today, we want to highlight that the advice and information provided in this podcast may not be suitable for everyone and specifically for individuals who are currently in physically or emotionally abusive relationships. If you or someone you know is in an abusive or unsafe relationship, please seek support from the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or visit www.thehotline.org. Hey, everyone. We are happy to be back. Another month, another <laughs> book. So if you listen to last month's episode, we went over The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. And if you haven't listened to that, really recommend doing that. Um, And then this month chose the book, The Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work by Dr. John Gottman. Really good book. And we also want to highlight before we kind of get into this topic, if you are listening and you're like, well, I'm not married, this is really a book for every type of relationship. And we thought it was really helpful. Like, yes, we're in serious relationships, but it can be helpful for new relationships, long-term relationships boyfriend, girlfriend, LGBTQ plus community. Like it's really for everyone. And we really want to highlight that before we kind of get into this. If we use the language of like marriage, just know that a lot of this is applicable to every type of relationship. So another disclaimer, I guess the majority of like the research in this book was done like specifically on heterosexual, like male, female relationships. So I also just wanted to put that out there. So while the research really supports like those kind of relationships, I do think that there are a lot of good information from this research that can be applicable, like Sydney said, to all kinds mm-hmm. of relationships. Yeah. So I also just wanted to put that out there. There mm-hmm. needs to be way more research done in that mm-hmm. realm and just like inclusive of the LGBTQ community and all that mm-hmm. jazz. So yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, it's super important to highlight that because a lot of this research was done a long time ago and it was done by a couple the Gottmans and it was done on heterosexual partners so but again we've gone through this whole book we're like this is really applicable to every type of relationship and I liked the book I thought it was interesting and really helpful and insightful I think we all agreed that once you kind of read a few principles I don't know not that it gets boring it's just like It's a lot of content. Yeah, it's just like a lot of content. And I think it makes it fun that there's like activities in it. So you can kind of like break out and in your relationship if you want to do some activities or the quizzes and kind of have fun with it. Yeah, you can definitely. I mean, Logan and I used it for date night. So (laughs) (laughs) you can use some of the activities to get to know your partner better, like how you how you communicate and all that jazz. And Hopefully it doesn't stir up any <laughs> any more issues. And <laughs> it's something you can use to kind of, I don't know, work through things together. But yeah. Yeah. Do we want to dive into the first principle in the book? The first principle is enhancing your love maps. And for anyone listening that didn't read it or don't know what love maps are, <laughs> basically just the idea, like, it's like, knowing all the little details and small concepts that like make your partner so like what kinds of foods do they like maybe they don't like when you leave the crust on their pb and j like it's examples like that of knowing like 
the the little small things or details about what your partner likes or doesn't like. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of essentially like what love maps are, just really getting to know your partner on such a deep level that you know all the little tiny details about who they are and what they like and what they don't mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And the more detailed the map, the stronger the relationship. Um, and there was a quote that stuck out to me from John in the book, Dr. Gottman. It said like the second law of thermodynamics, which says that in a closed energy system, things tend to run down and get less orderly. The same seems to be true of closed relationships like marriages. My guess is that if you do nothing to make things get better in your marriage, but do nothing wrong, the marriage will still tend to get worse over time. To maintain a balanced emotional psychology, you need to make an effort. Think about your spouse during the day. Think about how to make a good thing even better and act on it. And I love that because I'm like, yeah, obviously, if you do nothing, nothing changes. But then over time, it's going to start to deteriorate or you're going to miss things or you're going to stop doing the little things for your partner and lose kind of like that special bond or that, I don't know, admiration for each other. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. a lot of things about this chapter. Like that, that was just one of them. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I did, we did the like love map exercise together just like for fun. And there was like, we felt pretty proud of ourselves. Like we knew a lot of the <laughs> answers to some things or like maybe even knew them better than like what our partner thought they meant. Um, but there were some that was like, I have no effing clue. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what you like about this or don't like. And it was kind of like fun because after like four and a half years of being together, like there's still new things that we're learning about each other. And it it doesn't have to be like this negative thing to not know every little detail. Like it, it can be fun and exciting, kind of like in the beginning of your relationship when you're learning about them, mm-hmm. like you can still have that in a long term relationship. You know, it reminds me of, I got so excited when the game, like, We're Not Really Strangers came out and there was like a couple's edition. I was like, I want to do that so bad. Um, And I did. And it was like fun because it's just like another way to connect and ask the questions that you wouldn't think to ask on an everyday basis, but that are really important to like build your relationship and build these love maps like we're talking about. Um. And yeah, love maps is just a short term for how well you know your partner. And it's not a bad thing to not know those small things. That's why you ask and why you have those deeper conversations to build that like stronger connection. Yeah. So, I mean, the next one is how to like nurture your fondness now, admiration for one another. So this is like essentially having respect for your partner and really like valuing them and finding like positive things about them even if you guys are arguing like trying to really point out the things that you genuinely like about that person and didn't it say too in the book like you know your relationship is in trouble when you can't speak of like your early memories fondly Mm -hmm. so like if a couple can look past their struggles and still speak fondly of early memories even if they weren't perfect like the relationship is still salvageable and Mm -hmm. I'm referencing a couple that I work with too, because I feel like that's come up of like hanging on to a lot of like the past of things that didn't go well and like not having a lot of like kind things to say about those early memories. And it's still showing up in their interactions today and how detrimental that has been to their relationship. So yeah, like building love maps, but then also building, like we had talked about that admiration 
for one another, like still being able to pick out the good things, even if there are like every, every relationship has like downsides or things that their partner can do better, but leading first with like what they're doing well or what you admire about your partner is so important. And I'm not the best at that in my personal relationship all the time either. You want to pick out the bad. You want to nitpick. But then it, like, doesn't and never ends well. No. Yeah, I mean, you can always tell just how, like, the couple shows up in therapy, like, whether or not they're at this stage of, like, nitpicking or if they're still, like, learning how to admire each other. Like, being able to recall those memories and in what way you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, do you focus on the bad or do you focus on the things that did go well? Yeah, I mean, and that's like the main idea here, right? It's like we're trying to give our partner like the benefit of the doubt, the most generous interpretation of like why they're doing something. So like, let's say partner normally takes the garbage out every night and they forget to, rather than just jumping to the conclusion of them being like lazy, you're considering other aspects like, okay, maybe they had a rough time and just their mind is occupied by other things. And that's why they didn't take the trash out or whatever, you know? Yeah, almost like giving your partner the benefit of the doubt because you'd want them to do the same for you. It also, and I guess this kind of gets into like one of the other principles later down with like solvable problems versus perpetual problems. And like it, it gets, it's a struggle to really find the good in the person when it's like a constant issue that keeps coming up. But like even with that, you can still find it within you to be kind. And like you said, mm-hmm. to not call them names, not call them lazy, like, and just find a way to remember something about them and say like, hey, you know, I know you're you're going through something and usually you're pretty good about this. So like, what's going on? Like finding some kind of way to be kind about the situation, mm-hmm. even if you are just like super irritated. Yeah. So uh, the third principle in the book, it talks about turning toward each other instead of away. And I think it's easy to turn away. And what we mean by this and what the book kind of talks about is like turning toward your partner is like in daily interactions, making time for each other, doing the small things, going grocery shopping and making it fun, like still having the element of surprise or excitement. And that can be built by like turning toward each other. And I think just what, I've seen a lot and what I'm sure you have seen a lot too is like it's easy with like the stress of life and work and if clients have kids or it's hard to prioritize your relationship but the more that you do that and the more that you just go out of your way to do even a small thing each day um, it makes each person feel really appreciated and it leads to less of like the nitpicky you're not doing this you're not doing this and building and building and building because you still have that like strong foundation, that strong core. Yeah, I feel I, there's definitely times when like I either me or Logan or what you know, one of us is like kind of pulling away either because we like had a rough day or feeling stressed or whatnot. And the one way that at least I've found with him is if we're able to like turn towards each other and come together for like 30 minutes at the end of the day just to like talk about our day that usually is like enough to kind of bring us back even if like we are feeling distant for whatever reason whether it's stressful day at work or whatnot but yeah I mean that that time is so hard to like really force to happen when you get super busy and schedules and stuff like that 
And it can be super difficult, but also like super rewarding to make that time. And then also too, like when you're having the conversations, it's not just like, oh, how was your day? Because you can ask anyone on the side of the road how their day was and they're probably going to give you like one of three answers, good, bad, or fine or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I've found too, like being really intentional, like about, well, what was something interesting that happened at work today? Like really searching for specific examples because otherwise he's just going to tell me, oh, good. Oh, it was boring. It was fine. My coworker annoyed me today. (laughs) You know, like just pretty simple answers. So just being really intentional with how you're approaching your partner too. Yeah. And when Tara and I get really stressed too, you kind of just want to like decompress at the end of the night and like turn on the TV and not talk to each other. And like, mm-hmm. I feel too, we've had to make a priority of like going out and doing a date night once a week where we like put the phones down, actually be like intentional and present with one another or if we're at home and we don't want to go out and spend money, like just waiting to turn the TV on until we actually like check in and just see how the other mm-hmm. person's doing, see how their day's gone. Because it's like the TV goes on, phones are in your hand and it's kind of like, you kind of shut the world out without realizing you're probably shutting your partner out too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been guilty of this. And I know we've talked about this. Like he's like, yeah, same. <laughs> like, and it doesn't have to be a huge long, we need two hours. It's just like, take a little bit of time to like be present with your partner. He talks to me and he's staring at his phone and I'm like, I just want, I just want to strangle him. <laughs> Like those little moments. <laughs> I'm so I was so guilty of this this week. So or was it last week? I don't know. But it's football season, so I'm sure you can imagine what I'm about to say. But <laughs> look at though, and and I'm that's fine. Like I'm glad he has something he's super passionate about. That's cool. But I get so annoyed if he's like, if I want to say something, and he's like, okay, after this play, I'm like. <sighs> Okay, like now I have to hold my thought for a minute or three or whatever. And it's just, oh, it was aggravating. And so I was like annoyed with him. And I guess maybe I didn't even realize how like irritated I felt. And then the next day, um, like sitting on my couch on my phone and he's like trying to talk to me, like trying to, you know, turn towards me, do our 30 minute check in, whatever. And I'm like on my phone. And he was like, he kindly asked me to get off my phone and I was I freaked out on him and I was like ah, you don't do this when I'm wanting to talk to you and we like football and blah 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 and this and that and oh such a bad moment for me I should have just and I eventually like I calmed down I apologized because I was like okay that wasn't fair like football is your time I came in and talked to you it's different situation whatever but yeah it's it's so hard when you're like letting it kind of or even when you don't notice it's happening but yeah yeah. guilty of it yeah but then you talked about it versus letting it just like one after the other kind of continue which then it can become like a cycle yeah for sure resentment Mm -hmm. yeah he was like bro that's so uncool of you I was like I know I'm so sorry like I was so mad and I was so bro that's so uncool (laughs) I'm done (sighs) But yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think I'm the one to get petty about it the most, which is funny comes the fact that I'm a marriage and family therapist, but um, <laughs> that I'm working on for sure. <laughs> we're aware, but we're not always 
you know, we're not perfect not partners perfect. like anyone. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Owning your like shit because everyone freaking does it. Like everyone's petty. Everyone does shit. They're like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to like acknowledge it like internally and be like, that was really uncool. But it's another to like just acknowledge it to your partner because then it's just going to be like so much easier to move through versus being like, yeah, I, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I'm not going to apologize because I'm stubborn or I'm strong. Like, you know, I do that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to. I just don't want to apologize even if I know I'm wrong. Um, it just goes a long way, though, I've found. Yeah, thanks. We normally, like, I love, I do genuinely <laughs> love watching football with him just because it's so cool. It's so fun for me to see him get so excited. On the days when, like, his fantasy football team is not doing good, that's another story because yeah. I feel his stress mm-hmm. and I take that on. But, no, it's just, it was just that I let it get to me, that one little whatever. But, anyway. yeah. No, I used to never be a football fan either. But part of that is, like, I don't know. It's cool to do things with your partner that they enjoy. And then they're more apt to do things with you that you enjoy. And it's just really cool to see. Like, I always used to think football was stupid. I grew up with a dad that just watched golf on Sundays. Like, I was never a big sports person. So I went into Tanner's family. Like, you guys are, like, hardcore and, like, nuts. And then I realized it's, like, really cool and, like, going to games and being a part of that. Yeah. I still think it's dumb sometimes with how it can just (laughs) make or break his day. But fully support them. I think this kind of goes into the next principle Mm -hmm. slightly, like, of the letting your partner influence you and like Mm -hmm. I think that's more talking about like decisions but also considering what they like to do and Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's not your ideal night to sit and watch football for the sixth night in a row or whatnot but Mm -hmm. (laughs) like maybe that's something that they really value and like okay taking that into consideration so the fourth principle talks about like letting your partner influence you and then the fifth and sixth kind of talk about like solvable problems and perpetual problems which we'll talk a little bit about but um I kind of just like I want to talk about because Gottman's like found that in the long run the happiest and most stable marriages or relationships are the ones where the couple works as a team and so it's kind of what we were talking about too like yeah you don't necessarily want to watch football on a Saturday night but you do it because your partner really wants to and like Mm -hmm. relationships I know it's like repetitive but relationships are about compromise considering each other's mm-hmm. perspectives or feelings and seeking the common ground when there's a disagreement. And so solvable problems um, is like, it's in the name, like you're able to solve it. There's resolution and then there's perpetual problems where you may not always agree or find resolution. And that's really actually pretty common. But I think a lot of relationships and when there's a lot of disagreements, you're like, there needs to be. A resolution one of us has to be right one of us has to be wrong mm-hmm. so i think it's kind of something we can maybe like i don't know if you want to talk a little bit like about solvable problems and then perpetual problems and how that kind of influences just like making decisions together and communicating and compromising and all of that mm-hmm. i completely agree and continuing on with the football trends, like an example of a solvable problem is like, should we order pizza or should we order burgers for dinner? And maybe we're arguing about like what we want to eat while we watch a football game, right? Well, that's a solvable problem. You might each come up with a different idea, but like you can figure out what you're going to eat that night or 
even come up with a completely different third option too. Like maybe you just get pasta. I don't know. Anyways, a perpetual problem could be like maybe one of you is a Vikings fan, one of you is a Packers fan, and not that's not going to change. And so no matter what, like on those game days where it's Packers versus Vikings, um, you're going to have some issues, going to have some arguments, but hopefully it's like playful banter, right? You're being kind and respectful still to one another and like trash talking a little bit, but not getting at the core of like who they are and just focusing like on the teams. Um, because then that's when perpetual problems start to become an issue and you really get stuck in a gridlock. Right. Do you want to explain what a, like a gridlock is for people who don't know? So it's basically just like when you get stuck in the same argument or conversation over and over and every time it comes up, it's more heated and, you know, like you might start out with an argument that's kind of like a lower level thing, like something that you wouldn't consider to like really have a bad effect on you but then like the more you talk about it the more emotion that gets involved and then the more you feel inclined to argue for your side or get stuck on like that winning or losing um idea of a, of a discussion or argument and so like as the conversation continues you start to get kind of mean towards each other and start to say like really really critical or rude things and so instead of like working through it effectively where, you know, like a normal conversation might go where you like agree to disagree or try to come back to it at a different time when you're feeling less heated, a gridlock is essentially the opposite of that. Just letting your emotions get to you and kind of take control. I think the important thing with perpetual problems too is like, like you said, like Vikings versus Packers, things that you're not, you're never going to like compromise because it's like kind of to a core who you are whether it's how you were raised or I really love Vikings. So I grew up in that environment and my whole family is a Viking, like they're, they're all Vikings fans or something like that. Like I think the way to kind of come to a agree to disagree is like talking about why you love that team, like learning to respect mm-hmm. each other and your differences and like without sacrificing your own beliefs or your things that you love. Cause I think, that individuality is also so important in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to agree on everything. Yeah. Am I a diehard Oregon Ducks fan? No, but I'll go like buy tickets to a game because I know my husband loves it. And yeah, I just don't think it needs to be like black and white all the time mm-hmm. or like it needs to be this way or that way. As long as you can learn to like respect each other and what you love. Right. And I mean, if you read the book, you kind of, get to really understand like how to get moved through these kinds of problems like solvable mm-hmm. or perpetual mm-hmm. they talk about you know soft startups like how are you approaching the conversation are you attacking them right away are you coming at it from like hey i i like know you could do better i believe in you or mm-hmm. man you suck at this <laughs> like you know i don't know <laughs> two totally I, different yeah yeah but <laughs> totally different ways right so it's all about like in your startup and how you're attempting to like repair the situation like are you even trying to repair it or are you just lashing out because you're upset like mm-hmm. it's it's an opportunity for you to try to either come together and help your partner and help yourself get through the situation or you don't right and then obviously we all know kind of how it goes if you don't but yeah but so much easier just to not <laughs> sometimes I like that point too because like I think too looking at it from a lens of am I trying to win and like I'll do anything to win I'll do anything to like hurt my partner 
or coming at it like in a solvable way of I always go back to this I don't know I guess like description kind of that I learned in grad school it's like a coffee table conversation or a kitchen table conversation like a coffee table conversation you're like kind of in this little nook together you're like working on the problem together like from the same side and you're going at it together like at the problem together or there's like the kitchen table the problems in the middle and you're just kind of like you're not working together you're trying to win you're trying to like have the loudest voice and i think that's where the importance of a soft startup comes from is if you're coming at it from a really defensive or like aggressive way it's not going to be received well mm-hmm. and it's like being very aware of like how you start those conversations mm-hmm. but i always think of it i'm like every time you're at a problem I'm like okay is it us versus the problem or is it me versus him and if it's me versus him no one's winning if it's us versus the problem we can come to a compromise or we can come to like if it's a perpetual problem like agree to disagree we respect each other's opinions even though they're different can i read another quote from the book i know it's kind of annoying but i wrote down another two just two because i i really like this one it's by john gottman again huh crazy he read he wrote the book um but it says most marital arguments cannot be resolved, which is like so important to know. I think people are like, oh, they solve problems together really well. They're able to like drop what they need to meet their partner where they're at. Like, no, most marital arguments cannot be resolved. Couples spend a year after year trying to change each other's minds, but it can't be done. This is because most of their disagreements are rooted in a fundamental difference of lifestyle, personality or values. By fighting over these differences, all they succeed in doing is wasting their time and harming their marriage. I think that gets at like one of, I think the key takeaways for me is like people argue, humans argue. It's just in our nature. It's what we do. We always like, that's what we jump to is wanting to be right or wanting to get our way, whatever. And being in a relationship, you really learn how to, I guess, also do that for the other person like also want them to win and also want them to get their way and like to learn how to when your two sides are conflicting learn how to make those kind of mesh together and so I guess that's one thing I really appreciate about this book I also think communication is really key it's it's important in a relationship for sure but it's not gonna be like the only thing that contributes right like learning to listen to your partner, learning to validate their experiences, learning to be like, have friendship with them and like be playful and be flirty with them, you know, and it's, there's so much more to it. And I think it's always like, oh, miscommunication, like, that's the reason why we're not working out. But it's, it's, there's so much more than that. And I get a lot of couples too that come to therapy, and they're like, we fight all the time. It's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you fight all the time, yeah, it's not great. But I think there's this like misconception, I guess, that like fighting is bad. But it's not that fighting's bad. It's how you fight that mm-hmm. will be bad. People disagree. As humans, we're going to disagree. If you are super agreeable in your relationship, it's probably going to build resentment because there's no way you're exactly the same. It's how you communicate and how you talk to your partner that can be detrimental like conflict isn't isn't bad it's actually really healthy right yeah and it's like how you support your partner even if you don't quite understand where they're coming from like are you going to back them up like Mm -hmm. you might disagree with them 
but you're not gonna do that in front of the kids or in front of your neighbor or a friend like you're gonna back them up in the moments and then have a conversation because you respect them like you genuinely believe that they're coming from a good place hopefully mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think the final principle also um is kind of what I said kind of what I talked about in the quote that I got from the f- chapter in the fifth principle to solve your solvable problems because I do think a lot of disagreements are rooted in just a fundamental difference of who you are as people. You had this whole life, unless you met really young, that you weren't with this person. So then you meet this person and it's a lot of like navigating your differences. And so the seventh principle talks about creating shared meaning together. Like each couple and family creates their own microculture with their own customs, rituals, and traditions. And it goes back to like, this doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but you must be willing to grow and develop and create your own dynamic as a couple. And that might look different. And that does mean compromising. It does mean having difficult conversations. And I love that it ended with that it's like wrapping in in this pretty little bow. Like it's coming back to like the main piece of any relationship is like there's always going to be conflict because you're not identical you're not you don't have the same exact mind the same exact needs the same exact aspirations in life but how you show up for your partner and how you also respect your own needs and wants will fully impact your relationship yeah I mean and then the book kind of goes into like the magic six hours and a week of like um you know chatting with your partner about their day before saying goodbye for like at least two minutes a day or 10 minutes a week, um, you know, hugging or kissing them and engaging in other kinds of conversation, like 20 minutes a day, um, having admiration, appreciation, so just communicating affection and gratitude, you know, five minutes a day, um, affection, like showing physical affection, hopefully that's like five minutes a day, 35 minutes a week, and so forth, you know. Is that sex too? I mean, you'd hope so. Yeah, it is like, you know, I was like, yeah, that's nice intimacy there. So that's important to you to dedicate that time. Some of these you want them to be a little more than five minutes a day, though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We'll just group it into the six hours. Yeah. <laughs> that can be weekly dates, too. That's the next one. That's another one-on-one time with your partner connecting for two hours a week. I really started to do this, and it's really, I don't know, because you're always like, oh, we'll find time. And it's like carving out that time is so mm-hmm. necessary because you're if you're mm-hmm. like busy and then oh this is one thing I wanted to talk about to you I've recommended this to couples that I see and their first thing is do we have to like mark times like does it have to like be exactly six hours and I think the biggest thing to like recognize is you don't have to have exactly six hours a week but like being aware of this makes you more mindful of those moments like in the partings like when you're leaving for the day just being mindful of you know checking in seeing what's on their agenda for the day or when they come home or like affection just taking a little bit extra time to dedicate to these areas and I always tell couples to check in at the end of each week or the end of each day and that's kind of what the sixth hour kind of talks about is like a state of the union meeting like talking about your relationship every week is so important because then you can kind of touch on all areas, all six parts and kind of talk about like what you felt was lacking, what you felt went well and not necessarily meeting a time requirement, but like your quota for what you need in the relationship. 
yeah, it talks about the magic six hours, but I'd say like kind of the magic six principles in a way of like what each couple needs in a week. Yeah. Um, this is so off topic. Well, not really kind of off topic, but Logan and I just started doing the ABC, ABC dating D. thing. Yes. And so like for the first one, we did like the apple orchard. And then the second one, we went to Build-A-Bear. And we're surprisingly not the only 20-something-year-old couple in there, actually. <laughs> you built I thought your we were... first bear. I did. It was great. Yeah. We put a little heartbeat in and everything. But, like, yeah. what seems like such a silly thing ended up actually being so much fun, like, picking out the clothes. And it's a good way to, like, again, get to know your partner in a different way, be silly, kind of be flirty, do new stuff. Like, I can't emphasize it enough we try to do two date nights a week like one during the week that's low-key just watching movies or whatever and then another one on the weekend that's you know more eventful you could say Mm -hmm. and I just I can't emphasize it enough like it is it's been the best part and has helped our relationship so much yeah and I would say what you just said too is like my biggest takeaway I see a lot of couples whether they've been together for a long time or just met and I think a big common factor that a lot of couples come to therapy is the love has died the excitement has died the adventure and passion has died and I think the passion dies when you stop trying to learn about your partner and stop taking interest in those little things like you talked about and so I think that's just my biggest takeaway and what resonated with me through like the seventh principle um, of creating shared meaning and doing those things and doing ABC dating is just carving out that time to still have fun together and still be playful. Yeah. And I love that you are doing that. I want to try ABC dating too. It's fun just coming up with the things too and like figuring out what you guys want to do. And like, I convinced him to go to take dance lessons. Like this kid cannot, no offense to him. He can't dance. He's like, (laughs) whatever. He knows he's not a great dancer, but like, if we didn't talk about this, there was no effing way I would have gotten him to do dance lessons with me. Like, but because it's like something for us to do together, he's way more, I don't know, okay with it, I guess. It didn't take a lot of convincing, to be honest, but I think, you know, whatever. You but keep us updated on how with the other Yeah, <laughs> I will for sure. What was your takeaway from the book? I think, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of things I really appreciated about this. Um, I... I think my biggest thing is, okay, I guess I have two things. (laughs) Like when you're arguing, if you're coming from a place that is mean or like you're just trying to win, there's no point. Just walk away. Come back when you're feeling more calm because you're just Mm going to make things worse. You're just going to make the situation worse. And then I think the second thing is like finding that love and admiration for that person and holding on to it even in the tough times like maybe they do something that really pisses you off okay well there's a lot of other great things about them like don't let that one thing that's really aggravated you get the best of you and get the best of your relationship like hold on to those things that drew you to that person to begin with and I think if you can do those two things your relationship is gonna is gonna last much longer (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes coming from couple therapists yeah and like we talked about too this is for we're talking about healthy relationships if you are in an abusive or unsafe relationship know that there is help out there 
And again, this isn't like medical advice. It's just a couple of marriage and family therapists coming together to give you um, our thoughts and opinions. So take them as you will. Um, Our next book is Burnout, The Secrets Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Amelia Nagoski. Am I pronouncing that right? Another one with her, was it Sisters who wrote it? Yes, it's her sister, Emily. It's like Emily and Amelia, I think. Yeah. So Nagoski's sisters. Yeah, okay. Um, And I think we're going to be talking about that on the 3rd, November 3rd. Is that right? Yes. Yep. A month from today, we'll be checking in and talking about that. And that is Jewel's pick for next month. So yeah. if you want to get that, read it with us. Um, can you give us like kind of a rundown of what it's about? Yeah. So basically it is, well, I guess this one's more focused on females specifically. It's It does talk a little bit about how like women experience burnout a little bit differently than men and Mm -hmm. like why that is. It talks a lot about just the body and how we process stress and hold on to stress Mm -hmm. in our bodies. Um, And that's essentially like the the whole premise of the book. Um, So we will see you guys next month and yeah, just stay tuned for updates on my Instagram as always and just more fun exciting things to come we hope you guys have a great rest of your month and you can still tune in follow along to my weekly episodes but these are my highlight for the month these are my these are my faves so maybe we can do them more often wink 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 wink. (laughs) all right bye guys